Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Blank Canvas, the arts and education podcast from Lester B. Pearson School Board. This is Frank Caracciolo, artist and arts consultant for Lester B. Pearson School Board. Please join us as we speak with people making a difference in the arts and education community. On this episode, we sit down with artist, musician, educator, Louise Campbell. Louise is a longtime supporter of Lester B. Pearson School Board. She's done workshops all around the country, and we're happy to have her here today. Louise is right here. Let's get started. Hello, good morning, everybody. I'm here with Louise Campbell. We're going to be speaking today about art, music, movement, and wellness. Good morning, Louise. How are you? Good morning, Frank. I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm glad you're here today. Can you tell us, our listeners especially, a little bit about yourself, your background, your education? Sure. My name, uh, well, my name's Louise Campbell, and I'm a musician and teaching artist. And I've had the pleasure of working with teachers for at least the last 20, 25 years. Um, my background is as a classical musician, and I've always, I just about got an education degree, um, but I didn't actually finish that up for a number of reasons, in part because I wanted to have my feet in both the professional music world and also the teaching world. Um, so teaching artistry is really where I love to be, because I get to come into classrooms and, you know, be a real guest within the school system and i have the pleasure of being able to see teachers really beautiful relationships with their students and the wonderful work that they're doing every time i go in it's always different there's always something unique about what a teacher is offering their students and it's a real pleasure for me to be able to do that you know i i like that because when uh you come in as a third party let's say coming into a classroom you do have an extra edge on the students right they say, who is this person what are they bringing today what are we going to be doing so it's always fun and it is it is something to be said about about watching the relationships uh, some of them are just amazing how teachers have bonded with students and then sharing that uh, they kind of follow their lead and then they'll be more apt to work with you and do what you're doing, right? So myself included, when I, I just was doing a lesson on Friday at a school and um, I never do the same thing twice, right? It's always you tweak it just a little bit. So one, so that you're not uh, you're not bored doing the same thing over and repeating over and over. There's always a little something that you could add or get better at. So so that said, what do you, I know that we've, We've worked before, and uh, you've been part of the MAD2, uh, which is a dean subcommittee on the arts, and you've come in and done talks, and you work with different consultants from all the school boards in Quebec. But um, this year, I know we're focusing a lot on wellness. And um, can you tell us a little bit about your approach with wellness and, and how it relates to your art or the arts in general? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think the arts play a huge role in people's wellness in general because the arts uh, is really about people um, getting to know themselves better, expressing themselves and connecting with other people. Uh, so I really feel strongly that it, it's a very great way for people to support their own wellness. And that's not necessarily to say that it has to be you know, deep and profound all the time. It can just be plain fun. You know? So it can be really something about the joy of, of following an artistic process, um, or it can go into you know, pretty deep, meaningful issues that, that students are really concerned with. For myself, um, a lot of my creative process has to do with finding out where I am right now and where the students are. 
Um, so if I'm walking into a room and everybody is super, super, super hyper, I have the choice of proposing something that is at that energy level, or if it's a little too much to find a way to kind of bring people down a little bit and focus and center a bit. So to give you an example, one of my favorite exercises that I do is a really basic listening exercise. And uh, elementary schools especially can be very noisy places. And I think sometimes we get into the habit of competing with that noise instead of actually listening to what's going on. So I'll ask students to sit quietly for two minutes. And the idea is to not speak, but to notice all the sounds that are around them. And those two minutes, it's really quite phenomenal. If there's a lot of sound that's going on, there's a beautiful symphony of sound that is happening already. And each of the students hears their own version of that. And so some students may be really hooked into the, the sounds that people make. Others may be much more into the natural sounds, the birds outside the windows. Others might be really into the building kind of noises. So it's a really interesting way to get people to just calm, center, notice what's going on, and then share their unique perspective. And just that one simple thing, regardless of what the artistic activity is afterwards, I find helps to really um, just calm things down a little bit and put the focus on listening, which to me is the core skill of music. And in addition to that, has some really great effects for just our, our own sense of wellness. You know, I, it's interesting because when you go for a walk, a simple walk in nature, especially at this time of the year with the leaves, and uh, you can just hear uh, how that sounds, right? And then, you know, some people like the ocean, some people like walking in the forest. And so sound is a very important thing. And then, in, like you said, in a busy classroom, in a busy environment, there's so many sounds that we kind of don't even pay attention to. And bringing that attention back really is a skill uh, for the students. I think that's a great, it's a great, very simple kind of idea, but it lends to so many other things, right? So can you just tell us a little bit about your music background? Yeah, for sure. Well, I've had a, a very interesting background, I think. I started out, um, you know, playing piano, singing in choirs, uh, clarinet, playing in bands. You know, I really came up through the classical music tradition. Um, and I still play clarinet now. Uh, but I really, because I'm, I'm very much interested in the creative process, I kind of always knew that the orchestra wasn't the place that I was going to go. Um, so at a certain point, I just started to experiment. And actually, the way that I got into uh, improvisation and composition was that I had some dancers who asked me to come and make music for them. And it was very clear as soon as I walked into the room that, you know, the piece I was playing by Mozart wasn't going to fit. It wasn't that Mozart isn't a really fantastic composer. It was just that it wasn't appropriate for that situation. And so I started to improvise and make music that was appropriate for that situation. And that then led me to learning how to play music for dance, for theater, for film. And from there, it became really clear for me that I needed to develop much better digital skills. So fast forward a few years, um, I'd started playing with guitar pedals. I broke my arm, which mm. is a bit of a deal for uh, a classical musician who is gigging a fair bit. I had to learn how to rehabilitate my arm. And so my guitar pedals helped to do that because I had to be able to play uh, a little bit a day, feel creative, but I couldn't do the normal acrobatics that I was used to doing. So I used my guitar pedals and ended up looping Bach over and over and over again. And it was really wonderful. I could suddenly play harmony. And I hadn't really been able to do that since I'd, you know, since I'd left aside piano playing. And when I had my guitar pedals, all of a sudden I could 
Adelaire, Adelaire, Adelaire. And I became very much an ensemble all to myself. That was really fabulous because I'd started traveling to uh, isolated remote communities where they had, you know, it was a big effort to get one musician there. There was no way they could get a band. But me with my clarinet and my guitar pedals, I could end up giving them a concert, like a full-fledged concert that was, you know, interesting for 45 to an hour, 45 minutes to an hour long. So I was able to combine that with the school and community visits and give a really nice, complete service and get to know people really, really well. Um, in recent years, I mean, over the pandemic, I have to say I was very lucky that I was on that digital skill acquisition route because um, that then led to me doing um, a lot of podcasting. And so for me, it's just a matter of finding the skills that you need, understanding the people that working with and making a choice about what the best way is gonna be to make music with them. So if I have a specialization, it's that I can walk into a room full of people and figure out a way for people to make music, to make their own music. So sometimes that might be using traditional band instruments. Sometimes it might be using ORF. Sometimes it might be using objects that are around us, like the school desks and pencils or things that are out of the recycle box. Other times it might be using students' phones as sound sources and recording devices. So really the the possibilities are very large. And what gets me excited is getting to talk with the teachers to find out what they do and what they like and what gets them excited. And then finding out brainstorming and working out a project that is going to be really great for the students. And then once you get into the classroom, you know, it's amazing. You know, you have one idea of how things are going to go and then the students are just like, and we have ideas too. <laughs> yeah, and they kind of jump in on there. It's amazing because um, just saying that to to our listeners, uh, teachers, uh, other people, it's just such a great process and evolution of an artist and how you have adapted to different situations, different uh, lack of resources or with resources, depending, right? Like so, and that's really what teachers are up against, mm -hmm. right? They they say, oh, we don't have enough woodwind instruments, we don't have enough drum sets. But then you, you really think about it. It's possible, right? And um, people like yourself showing that or exhibiting that or doing projects, collaborating with our schools, you really do come alive with really interesting, different things. And, and the, the possibilities are endless, like you said, about where you can go in these directions. I mean, um, I watched a, a shadow puppet theater uh, workshop. And they had uh, two teachers making music with whatever objects they could grab on the side to make the sound effects, right? And so they just kind of improvised. But through that, you're making art and you're making, you're creating something, right? And I think that that's where, I mean, I like to go back to as well, like making people understand that it's, you know, it, it's it's not really rocket science, but it's just a matter of putting things into an order and and the process of getting there, which is what you do. Uh, so well, what what could we expect? Like, if if teachers wanted to speak with you and said, "Hey, how do I get Louise to come into our classroom?" What would be the best method? I mean, I know that through culture in the schools, um, and then through direct relations from from us and the Mad Two Dean Subcommittee, we're always promoting and we always speak about you uh, at our workshops. But uh, so, how could if you could want to plug a way that um, teachers could get a hold of you if they're listening? How could we do that? The best way to get a hold of me is email first. So my email is mlouisecampbell at gmail.com. So that's M as in Mary, mlouisecampbell at gmail.com. 
And beyond that, once we get in touch, um, I love to have a conversation. So if we can find a, a way to talk to each other, that is the best way for me to get to know a teacher and to get to know what their interests are and what the needs of their school and students are. From there, it's really a conversation. And I do have ready-made workshops um, that, you know, as the conversation goes along, I start to get an idea. It's like, okay, so this, my, um, you know, improv for band, you know, improv 101 for band is what this particular teacher would be helpful for them and their students. Or for this other teacher, maybe my uh, taking it outside, music and art in, uh, inspired by nature is something that would be more interesting. Or maybe for this other group of students, instrument building is better. But it's with the conversation that shows me what direction is going to be the most useful. You know, there are the ready-made workshops. There's also the workshops that I'll tailor make for your for your school. And there's also the workshops that we can brainstorm together. You know, one of my favorite um, projects that I've ever done was a teacher who came to me and said, Louise, our cafeteria is horrendously loud. <laughs> you need to just do something to address the noise levels. And so from that first initial conversation, we ended up doing a wonderful project that was also not involved just based on me it was based on the entire school and on the skills of all the other teachers as well too so we did a whole artistic project project and the robotics club got involved and they built these little robots that uh, measured the decibel level and when the decibel level got low enough the robots started to like wave their arms and get excited so the kids actually had a, a very visual cue that they were speaking at at a good level, you know, so that wasn't my initiative. It was the initiative of, um, of Shelly Sharp, the teacher who was in science and doing, leading the ro robotics club at the time. So those things are, are possible when we have a conversation. And those are, those are the conversations that lead, right? Lead you into very creative solutions that I think more teachers need to be a part of. And that's why we're doing this today. Obviously, I mean, it's so great to hear these kinds of initiatives, like just to be in a lunchroom and work with a lunchroom as your, as your kind of like as your, um, your palette, right? Or your canvas, you're going to try to work with within that, that, that subject area and see what we can come up with, which is fun. I mean, it's really the critical thinking that can occur when you're setting things up with students, or like you said earlier, that the students want to get their two cents in and they want to be involved in the process, which is is really um, makes a big difference in the project as it as it turns out. But I like this a lot, Louise, because you're you're really approaching it from any angle and uh, the possibilities where you can create something with a teacher that you know. And this, I just want to say this right because I think I, I will speak uh, for you, but this is not just about art teachers. I mean. Uh, writing teachers, English teachers, French teachers, obviously um, math teachers, any teacher could really uh, work, work with you and create something really interesting, you know, like repetitive, uh, you know, things, the way the choir works, the way sound is, is used uh, in the air, you know, getting from one place to another. I know you do all those things. And and the wellness portion, because you, this podcast that we're on today is also born from, uh, from the, uh, you know, having the lockdown and the COVID measures and all that. So it was a way to communicate what we were doing. And I'm glad that you're here today. Can you, can you tell just a little bit more about how you can incorporate that art and wellness? Because we just spoke just a little bit about that earlier. But the wellness component, which is, a, I keep hearing it in my, my uh, meetings and workshops that uh, people are really after wellness. And maybe even uh, as a PD for 
for teachers. It doesn't have to be for students, but also you've also worked with teachers in the past. So maybe teachers. For sure. I mean, I think it's, you know, the, the pandemic was so hard on so many people and teachers in particular had a really big, big task in front of them. And so I think that the general level of stress has just risen over the last few years. And it's, you know, just because of the situation that we've been in. And now that we're kind of coming out of the pandemic in in a sense, there's a lot of things on the go that we haven't had to deal with in the last few years. Um, So I think it is really important for all of us to consider our own wellness. Um, With the artistic process, you know, I, I really involve the teachers as much as the students. It's for the purpose of having the teacher experience the creative process as well. So I'll give you an example. Um, My current big project this year is the one I mentioned earlier, taking it outside, music and art inspired by nature. And the basic premise of this one is really about listening and engaging with the soundscapes that are around us. So we'll do a sound walk that's within the school and on on the schoolyard. And really, the task is very simply to walk through the school and the uh, the playground without speaking and just write down all of the things that you see, that you hear, and that you feel. And the feel one is always interesting because I'd initially meant feel as in touch, like I feel the wind, but inevitably people go into I feel emotions, right? So our sensations are so tied into emotions and our emotions are, you know, very much physical sensations as well, that I I hadn't really expected this one to have um, a big wellness component, but it clearly does. So beyond that, we start to go for a walk outside. So it's funny that you were talking about going for a walk in in a forest. Together with the teachers and the students, we brainstorm a few different places that have natural settings that's very close to the school that we might be able to go to to hear birds. And then we'll go for a sound walk outside into the community. I've had some schools that we've gone to a green alleyway that's very close by. There's another school that was really close to a flower shop. And boy, do the birds ever sing? (laughs) That was amazing. And again, the idea is just to listen to what's going on around you. And because we're going looking for birds, that gives the students and the teachers and me even more impetus to just be quiet and listen to what's going on. Because as soon as there's a lot of human sound, like a lot of talking, the birds stop. Um, so that one is a really interesting one because I don't think there's many times in a school day when the teachers and the students can actually be quiet. And that I think in itself is very rejuvenating and helps us to kind of tap into where we're at. Oftentimes people will say, oh, I hear myself breathing. It's like, yeah, that's great. We all need to breathe. That's excellent. But that noticing breathing is something that helps us to just calm into where calm down a little bit. Oftentimes I find that, that the students are much calmer. The teachers tell me very specifically, wow, my students are a lot calmer. And I've even had one teacher who said that they've taken that listening exercise and incorporated it into their, into their school day. So they'll do a two minute listening period as part of the day for the students to just chill a little bit. And of course, as we know, you know, when the students have tools in order to take care of their own wellness, that makes teachers jobs that much easier. It's really, it's because uh, as you're speaking, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it, it really, I say like to teachers listening, 
Think about Louise to come in right before exam time, right? Those final exams, like to train, because anxiety is really one of those things that really mess kids up on the exams. Right? They might have the knowledge, but they go blank or they can't calm themselves down or they're all, their anxiety levels are growing. And these kinds of exercises are the things that even adults, uh, you know, when, we're, when there's an event going on, you have to do public speaking, whatever it is to investigate and explore to help us with meditating and, and breathing exercises. And so having you work with our students is, I think, just really, really an important, uh, important measure that we should be looking at. So sorry if I interrupted you there. No, not at all. I mean, the other thing, too, that I think every teacher knows that they lead by example. Right. So I think when the teachers have really good skills and, you know, the self-awareness to know it's like, okay, I need a break, then the students see that. And just having, you know, I'm not a psychologist, you know, I'm, I'm not a mental health specialist by any stretch of the imagination. But when I see teachers who have in place certain cues with the students, that's when the students understand how to self-regulate. You know, I, I had one uh, music teacher, music classrooms are always quite noisy places you know it's a joyous noise but it's noisy <laughs> and uh, for music teachers that's a big thing because you're just surrounded by noise all the time and i was in one music classroom which i just i love this guy's approach his his students just loved him and it was mutual he would just be like okay i need a one minute break and the kids knew exactly what they had to do it was just like okay no talking and it was just because they got a little bit too boisterous. And, you know, I love that energy, but it is something where like the teacher was so clear about like, okay, that's great. I just needed that minute. You know that I listened to the sound all day long, you know? So it got to the point where he had a strategy in place. The kids knew what was going on and he didn't get so overwrought with the sound that he got mad. You know, it was just something that he did and the kids knew. So it wasn't about discipline. It was about the teacher needing just that minute of quiet. And it's such a mutual respect for each other as well that, that that occurs, which is a life skill, right? Like how to interact with others. And then you have that whole classroom management issue, right? Like the kids, I mean, one minute is not hard to give, right? You just say, I need a minute. And uh, that's that's wonderful. That's just, you know, and that comes... That, that could be for any class. Like I said earlier, it could be, it could be any class could be utilized these kinds of uh, tools, this wellness model, um, the way you are slowing things down a bit, if I can say, and making us realize what's around us. It's so important. Mm -hmm. It's so important to, to see what's happening and slow down because I think that the pace that we're moving or even trying to catch up right after COVID and the lock now everybody's on this. We're really moving at a quick pace. The year is going very quickly, but I think really key to what what your workshop could lend to us is that uh, that removal of some of that anxiety before these kind of exams and things like that that kids really want to do well on it and we know from some of the data that some of the kids are a little bit behind and that that even that gives them more anxiety you know they're doing their best teachers are doing their best but they do need support and i think that workshops with with you louise would be really uh, beneficial to all of us you know i can't wait to go <laughs> and sit with you and go through i know i know we're going to be booking some stuff with you soon so through culture in the schools you can also work with La louise you can you can see her through that and we'll, we'll help you with that you can get in touch with me obviously and and louise so anything else uh, you would like to share with us before before we close today for sure yeah there's funding available through culture in schools as well as artists inspire 
um, for me and other artists. Um, but that is one that you need to make sure uh, there's only one grant per school. So if your school hasn't already used that grant, then it's still available. I wanted to mention that for the Taking It Outside workshop, there's the in-school version of that. And then it's possible for people to actually take a field trip to Park Frederick Back uh, to experience an outdoor um, sound installation. And there will also be animation from the Toyu uh, based around, um, we still have to discuss this a little bit, but my hope is that it's going to be based around bird calls and one of their ornithologists who provides cultural mediation. So for somebody who's looking for a bigger project, that's also possible. If you're looking for the smaller in-school project, then it can be, you know, the length that is appropriate for your, for your class, whether that's two or three visits, then that would be fantastic. You know, I do share that, Louise, the Artist Inspired Grant is part of uh, my program that I share out to our teachers. And so you are on that list and obviously through Culture in the Schools. But uh, any which way we can get you into our schools, I'd be really happy to help and assist. And if people listening again, Louise, uh, you can touch base with Louise uh, through me and through Louise's email, which she gave earlier in the show. So thank you so much for coming in. It was really interesting. And I look forward to working with you again and some more as we as we get through this year. Well, thank you so much for asking me to, to speak with you. It's a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye. This podcast made possible by the Educational Service Department at Lester B. Pearson School Board. Please find the blank canvas on Apple Music and Spotify and wherever else you download your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.